This is Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare, and this is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for the Baptist System. Well, today we are so excited that we have Chris McChesney on, and we're going to be talking about a lot of areas, but we're going to be talking specifically about his very well-known book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you would tell our listeners a little bit about you and uh, about a little bit about your book that we're getting ready to start talking about. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Um, hi, everyone. So I've been... Uh, working with Stephen Covey. If you're familiar with the seven habits of highly effective people, I've been with Dr. Covey and, and his organization and, and his family and, and that group for over 30 years. In the last 20, I developed a practice with inside of Franklin Covey on strategic execution. And uh, that led to the book. The book sort of followed the consulting practice and what we learned. And um, I'm glad, I'm really delighted to be on your show because one of the places our work has found a home is in healthcare, um, in hospital systems. Uh, some work around uh, clinical results, uh, some work around cost savings, and a lot of work around patient satisfaction. Uh, but uh, that's kind of the quick, you know, basically I, I'm, I'm an individual with an incredible case of hyperactivity attention deficit disorder, and I've stayed focused on one topic for 20 years. So that's my claim to fame right there. No, that that is really great, and, and I've heard amazing things about the book. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but all the comments that I saw on Amazon were, were highly positive. So, <laughs> well, bless uh, you know, their I, soul. I went That's ahead and great. ordered it. But you know, and, and you talk about this a little bit. You know, if you just read the back cover, but we've all been a part of projects that have withered on the vine. You know, it, even if it was a great idea, it's a really necessary project but somehow it just kind of dies. Why yeah. does that happen? What causes that? What are the factors that contribute? Yeah, thanks, um, Dr. Lancaster. That's a great question. That, and that really was the, the jump off point for the whole thing. There's a, there's a conflict that exists everywhere and it's a little bit difficult to see sometimes. It's a little like a, um, the expression, um, fish are often the last to discover water. And the conflict is between all the activity required to maintain the existing work. We gave that a name. We call it the whirlwind. So it's all the urgencies of maintaining the operation today finds itself in direct conflict with the energy required to move the operation forward, required to hit the goal. And the real problem is that human beings are wired to respond to urgency, not importance. So there's this sort of... Epidemic level flaw in our thinking that if we could just get people to understand how important this is, they would do it. And it's really a fallacy. Importance is not a great driver of human behavior. Urgency is. And so I, I'll give you two main suspects for why executing on something new is always harder than it feels it should be. The first one I just mentioned, it's urgency. Right. That that new initiative is going to require putting energy against something that's not urgent. We're not wired for that. And the second problem is ambiguity. Um, people people really struggle with uncertainty and ambiguity. And a lot of times moving to a new procedure, moving to a new goal, a new objective 
raises a lot of unanswered questions. And so that combination of urgency and ambiguity, while it's not visible at first, creates a huge challenge for execution. So that was about, that might have been more than you wanted right there. No, Sorry, no that was I, perfect. I got you on know, a run and, there. And I just think about all the different things that happen throughout the day that distract me from achieving you know desired goals. You know, every two seconds I'll probably get an email or a, you know a Teams chat message or a text message or a phone call, or you know just yep. when you finally get through all your email or something else, you have a a new meeting that that you got to jump on. Yep. that distracts you you know are, are those the the urgent factors yeah. i guess that that distract or are there others yeah that, that there's so many and and basically sometimes i like to put it in a setting like if you're in a if you're just responsible for work itself what you described is actually is perfect but if you're a leader of a team now you have to achieve your results through a group of people and I know a number of your listeners, whether they're formal leaders or they're informal leaders, their results are connected to the work of a team or a group of people. It could be even a group of teams. And you have to come to grips with the fact that you are always competing with this. So even though someone's looking at you, telling you what a great idea, like we tend to think, we tend to think that the, the, the quality of the idea the better the idea is, the easier the execution will be. And it's just not true. Like we think, like, this is so great. This is so necessary. This is so important. Of course, we'll do. No, they won't. Like, that's the so that's sort of the second fallacy right there. So someone could be looking at you, giving you the thumbs up and telling you as a leader, this is brilliant, boss. I love love what you're saying. Key to our future. Right. But in the back of their mind, they're like, I got five emails. I've got to get out. I got to respond to this person. You know, just let me get through the end of the day without being yelled at. And they leave the office. They never think about it again. And you think you got traction. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I feel that daily. You know, I'm thinking about several of the projects that are high priority for, for me right now and, and how I can use this advice. So, so what do we do? How do we how do we get past that? That's great. So really, I think one of the ways you could look at the four disciplines work is sort of developing a muscle for putting deliberate energy against priorities that are not inherently urgent. Like you look at if you as a matter of fact, even if you just look at your career and you look at leaders that are really good at executing new things, right? What you'll notice is a discipline for putting for for not just responding to things that are on fire. And it's counterintuitive because in the moment you don't want to go there. And I'll just I'll borrow something from a book that's popular right now. I really love called Atomic Habits. And in that I'll give Skip big thumbs up from Skip there. Right in in that book he makes a really profound simple little statement. He says we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And so. The four disciplines is not a system for how you get all your work done. The four disciplines is a system for how do you put energy against that critical strategic imperative while the whirlwind is going 100 miles an hour. Okay, so let me get back to your question. Your question was, all right, so so how do I get traction on this? Um, and I'll just can I do just do like maybe just like a high two seconds on each discipline sort of a thing and then you That'd poke at perfect. it. Yeah. 
All right, so discipline one, and there's a principle associated with each discipline. The principle in discipline one is focus. So whether you're leading a team or leading yourself, getting very clear on what's whirlwind and what is the single priority and really keeping it singular is very important. We sometimes use this little expression whirlwind plus one. Like I got my whirlwind and I got, you know, and there could be a lot of metrics in there. There could be a lot of KPIs or key results that I have to be sustained. Right. But that's and that's going to and the whirlwind's going to occupy 80 percent of my energy. And then the plus one <laughs> and I'm going to use a I'm going to use a healthcare term here. The plus one is the intensive care unit. Mm-hmm. Right. And I really we got this analogy from one of our hospitals. Um, we were we were doing a lot of work for, at one point for Grady Memorial, the, the regional um, trauma uh, center in Atlanta. And and uh, great. The, the, the leader that brought this up said she, she calls it intensive care because there's a lot of great work going on outside the intensive care unit in the hospital. There's lots of great medicine being practiced, but intensive care is, as it says, it is intensive care. So which priority is going to get, I'm going to use these words very deliberately, disproportionate energy. So that's discipline one is getting very clear on. And, and what clear on it means is I give it a starting line. I give it a finish line. I give it a deadline. I can't have something like we're going to communicate better. It can't be ethereal. If it's conceptual, we say if it if it stays a concept, it dies a concept. Very hard to execute on a concept. So that's all I'm going to say about discipline one. There's a lot more about how to do this in an organizational setting, how to do this with multiple teams. But let's keep it simple. Get very clear on a finish line. Now, psychologically, this is very healthy for people, right? Because I can I can. OK, I got my whirlwind. <laughs> that dominated that job one, right? You ignore the world when you die today. You know, the goals, you die tomorrow, right? right? And it's better to die tomorrow, but still, I got to get that way. So that's the goal. Discipline one, that's it. Discipline two is the principle of leverage. And the way, what we call that is act on the lead measures. So basically saying, okay, let's say the, let's, let's put an example in here. Let's say that the, the finish line is to um, improve the degree. Let's say there's a question in our in our HCAP around whether the patient feels um, understood. I know that's one that has kind of a big impact on a number of factors. And I want to move that metric from right now we're in the 37th percentile and I want to go from the 37th percentile to the 60th percentile on that metric by the end of the year. That's discipline one. Discipline two is then saying, what's the lead measure? In other words, what's the activity that's both predictive of that outcome, but yet I can influence it. Okay. And this is this, that might be the most important sentence in in our whole time together, guys is understanding what is both predictive and influenceable. See, rainfall is predictive of crop growth, but I can't influence rainfall. So that's a predictive indicator. But a lead measure is both predictive and influenceable. So let's say that the the nurses, and we really like to get this from the people that are closest to the work, the nurses say that, okay, the lead measure is we're going to, to check every time we leave a room we're going to we're going to stop and make sure that the patient doesn't have any concerns. 
And some of them go, well, we already do that. And then they start keeping track and they realize, no, we talk about that. We don't actually do that that much, right? So let's say that the lead measure is how often we, before we leave a room, we acknowledge this. Okay, and and so maybe it's as simple as a as a as a couple of jars and there's some marbles in the jar. And every time every time we remember to do that, we walk by the we walk by that front desk and we move a marble. Right. We we, we track this thing. Um, you people understand that with weight loss, you know, anybody that's lost 30 pounds. It wasn't that they understood diet and exercise. They were tracking you. You. This is a really interesting thing. You talk to people in your life that have lost significant weight. They were tracking something. Otherwise, this confirmation bias kicks in and we fool ourselves. Okay. And so maybe after time, the the nurses realize that yeah, that's helpful. But what's really helpful is if you ask them and then you use the words, "Hey, I have time." And what's really really helpful is if you actually sit on the corner of the bed and say, "I have time." Are there anything that's and so after a while you start to recognize that wow we've now seen a dramatic increase in the the perception of being understood and that's affected a whole number of other things through this simple behavior there was a great study that was done by by um katzenbach i think is the name of the group and they said that you can act your way into a new way of thinking faster than you can think your way into new actions and so discipline two, it just starts that process. Discipline three and four, I'll do very quickly. Discipline three is a scoreboard. Discipline three is the principle of engagement. Can I see the score? If, if we can't see it, we lose. That's what we've learned. If we can't see it, you lose to the whirlwind. And discipline four is a cadence of accountability. And so that's just every week, what do we do to ensure that that lead measure is going to happen? So, all right, we've got two new people on morning shift. We're going to go over this procedure. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do rounds with Mary um, next week. Like, what commitments can I make? And so it's sort of the it's the principle of accountability, but it's the idea of putting force against leverage. And so these four simple processes, defining it, identifying. All right, what's the lead measure? Can I see it? And what's the accountability? As simple as that is. It addresses one of the hardest things that a leader has to do, which is drive a strategy or key objective that requires a change in behavior. So, okay, so with that, that's that's maybe the quickest overview anyone will ever get in the four disciplines. I hope that I hope that made sense. So any questions? Skip no, or, it does or, make a lot of sense. I and mean, you said something early on about, you know, leaders influencing others. And so, you know, the majority of the time, the leader is not going to be the one executing some of this war yeah exactly but rely on others to do that how do you you know it's I, i've got focus i've got my lead measures i'm tracking you know and everything else yep. but the people that i have to work through how do you get them yeah to yeah buy yeah 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 the same? so let's start with um let's start with motive this is what we found <laughs> So, so it's interesting. You, you, we worked with 4,000. Our team, I not personally, but our, you know, my team's worked with 4,000 organizations over 20 years. You start to see certain patterns. One of the patterns that showed up was sort of a mindset. If leaders are approaching this with this mindset, right? I want to create a high-stakes, winnable game in addition to the day job. 
Like that's what I want. So I'm going to facilitate that for my team. There's a great expression that intent counts more than technique. But by the way, that is not true in engineering, medicine, or science. <laughs> Those things don't care about intent, but people do, right? So if my idea is, okay, creating a high stakes winnable game, then I work with a group of if, if I'm if someone on my team, if their function is individual, it's it's just a game for them. But if it's a group of people, it's a game. And I'm, and I'm deliberate about that word game. It's a game for the group. Um, and, and so I want to make sure that and, and I have my job as a leader is to facilitate that. What's the finish line? What are the lead measures? Here's four or five possible lead measures I've thought of. Give them a menu. Get them to make the final decision, though. They have to own this. So what you're doing is you're really pulling. And, and it's interesting. I'm glad you asked this, Jake, because when it comes to the whirlwind, when it comes to the day job, it's all about compliance. We have rules, right? You, you break some of these rules, you go to jail. We have to be compliant. But when it comes to achieving a strategic objective, compliance usually, it's, it's not enough. And what we're after is commitment. And commitment is, is obtained, right? right? No involvement, no commitment, right? That's a cliche expression, but it's a good one. Commitment's more of a pull, right? So where the day job, the whirlwind is about compliance, the objective, addressing the objective is about really getting them to engage in solving, it's a little bit like solving a riddle, and, and it's more of a pull than it is a push. And so, can you? And and what we we've seen, and 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 I know I know we have a lot of physicians that listen to this program. We have done this work with physicians. We've done a lot more on the nursing side, but what we've seen is the minute the scoreboard goes live, that's when it becomes real. And so you might think you've really got something when you've gotten everybody to agree on a lag measure, a wildly important goal and lead measures, but you don't. Until you've got that visible scoreboard, it's like that game on. Until you throw the game on switch, we don't have traction with these principles, with these steps. That seems to be the activator. But it, it, it really, it's a pull and it's facilitating. And, and, and even though you're facilitating as a leader, it, like, it has to feel like it's their game. Otherwise, we're back to compliance. Mm. So, so, so you so, mentioned, or go ahead, Skip. So, so I, I don't think I've ever been so excited uh, to go run out and buy a book than I have been yeah, today. Yeah, really? And, and I, right, I've been throw. sincere. I'm sincere. I'm getting really excited about this conversation. So uh, it seems as if, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so Chris, please tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong, Please. it seems it seems as if each one of the steps is framing the next step. Yeah, well and, said. And and then it seems let's go back to step one, because I'm curious about your experience. For me, on step one, one of the things that I discover, one of the things I have discovered about myself, as well as others I'm working with as we drive improvement is um, many times we tend to be pretty vague there. And well, as a friend. As a friend of mine says, when you're vague about everything, you're always happy with whatever you get. But I, I, <laughs> I may borrow know, that one, Skip. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to know what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Yes. I want to know not only the what I'm trying to accomplish. I want to know when I'm trying to accomplish it. I want to know, um, yep. you know, maybe where I'm trying to accomplish it. 
but I want to be specific because if I'm not there, then step two, three, and four got starts it. to fall apart. Am yes, I thinking sir. about that correctly? You are so, boy, you're preaching to the choir on this. Is We are freaks about this. So let me, let me, can I frame it up a little bit for you? So if you divide all work into two categories, I'm going to call it performance and project. So on one side, performance is any current measurable. Could be cost savings, could be clinical results, could be patient satisfaction, right? Could be any anything, right, that, that we're currently measuring today. If you're on that side, if you're on the performance side, then what I want are three things. I want a starting line, I want a finish line, and I want a deadline. And we always use Kennedy's man on the moon as a perfect, right? The man on the moon, right? The starting line was Earth. The finish line was the moon and back, right? That was important for recruiting. And then the deadline was by the end of the decade. And he did that and it's like it snapped, game on, okay? Now here's an important thing. Stay away from objectives that are too broad. So you can be very specific about a very broad objective. So like overall clinical results or overall cost savings or overall patient satisfaction. It's too broad because it encompasses about everything you do and that you haven't narrowed the focus. So think about a chapter. So if if patient sat was the book, what's the chapter within that that we're going to apply disproportionate energy to? And then we give it a starting line, a finish line, a deadline. Or sometimes there's a result that you want, but you got to build something or install something or stand something up before you can get to the result. Like we're going to we're going to put we're going to start this new procedure. But we before that, we got to train people. We got to bring in equipment. We got to get a certification. We've got to get an approval. We've got all these steps so that now we found ourselves on a project world. And when it's a project, the finish line is obviously the completion of the project by a specific time. But we've found that you got to go just a little deeper and you got to tag a few sort of um, outcome specs associated with that. So, yes, we're going to have the dialysis, you know, blah, 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 up by April 1st to include full certification, you know, interactive data transport and blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay, that's what the finish line looks like. But Skip, you're exactly right. We found that if there's any degree of ambiguity on discipline one, then the rest of the disciplines are almost impossible to do. And, you know, anyways, I can say more about that, but I'll stop there. But but you're absolutely right. We we spend a lot of time getting discipline one right. You mentioned habits earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, most of us, and, and I want to talk about it in, in the uh, context of projects that you just mentioned. So you know, there's all of us have a lot of projects that are going on right now, yep. and and at least in in my case and several others, we don't always have the um, you know, the um, benefit of a project manager that is able to uh-huh. yep. keep track and push it along. Yep. So what sort of habits does a leader need to have in place, you know, to on a, you know, on a daily basis, weekly basis, yep. whatever, to ensure that their project is is moving forward if they don't have somebody that's. I love it. Yeah. All right. So let's work. The, let's work the problem. So the first thing. Um, if we start with sort of a four disciplines approach to your question, Jake, the first thing I got to ask is which of my projects needs to go to intensive care? 
So if the, you know, maybe I'm not perfect at it, but hey, we're making good progress on this one. We're making good. What that, if you're, if you're doing pretty good right now, what that says is, yeah, the day job's getting it done. Like our current momentum, our current inertia is taking care of it. I'm okay. But the XYZ project, oh God, it's just, it's eating our lunch right now. You know, weeks are going by. Everyone looks like they're busy. Nothing's happening. Everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else like that one. Okay, we're stuck. Okay, that's got to go to intensive care, right? So that first thinking. So what what we're talking, the principles we're talking about is not, what's the expression? Good for what ails you. <laughs> that ain't, right? It's not good for what ails you. This is heavy medicine, okay? This is why I like, I like talking to healthcare providers because the analogies are so perfect, right? This is strong medicine. Okay, so we know, okay, we're gonna, we've got a group of non-project managers that are responsible for a critical project, right? Now we're gonna apply, we're gonna apply heavy medicine to this. So we sort of, we lock everybody in a room and we, we go through the process. Okay, what's the, maybe the project breaks into two smaller projects or three smaller projects, do it. Take, get the targets down as close to where work is happening as possible. This is another thing that we've we've learned, right? So so breaking the big target into sub targets is often very helpful. That's discipline one. Discipline two for a project are milestones, usually anywhere from two to six weeks apart is what we find is a good rule of thumb for for milestones. And and rather than repeating the milestone like our nursing example, we would check these off as we go. Right. The scoreboard would be a visual of where we are time versus milestones. That's what we want to see. Like, don't don't create a uh, a United Way thermostat because like with the because you can't tell where whether you're winning or losing. You have to look at this scoreboard and know immediately we are behind by eight days. Like we love that tension. Like it's like a player scoreboard, you know, a basketball player looks up and they see a shot clock. I got I got I got. I got eight seconds to get off the best shot we can get off. That's that's how this scoreboard should feel. But then here's the magic with a project. Um, we call these wigs, by the way. The, anything that gets put in four disciplines, we call it a wig or a wildly important goal. The magic is the weekly commitment. And so imagine five people sitting around a desk. They're three weeks out from a milestone. And here's the question. In addition to all the stuff I got to do in my day job, What's my one commitment this week that's going to put us in a position to hit that milestone? Mm. This is very effective. Okay, I've got to have the XYC criteria defined and passed off by such and such by Thursday. Okay, check. Okay, someone else says, okay, I'm going to work on the the interface and they're like, eh, sorry, work on doesn't count. I need a deliverable. What gets the, okay, okay. What we'll have is we'll have all the specifications approved and we'll have a vendor selected. Now you're talking, okay, next person. So we're looking for actual, the language of execution is targets. Targets and outcomes. Can you get right? And and so having every every having everybody make commitments and you can look, it's really clear. OK, if everybody hits those commitments this week, then we'll, we'll be at two weeks to milestone. We'll be on track. All right. So let me tell you the one thing this stuff doesn't give you 
is discipline, <laughs> which is ironic because we call it the four disciplines of execution. Yeah. But you got to bring the discipline, which means you got to you got to be willing to to define the finish line. You got to map the the milestones. That's why we say it's heavy medicine. You can't do this with everything. You got to map the scoreboard. You got to get in that meeting for it's a short meeting for 15 minutes every week at Tuesday at one o'clock, no matter what. Right. And the leaders that are really good at this, they bring discipline to the party. You know, so we've had a lot of people on um, talking about coaching and, you know, I feel like coaches bring a good discipline to yep. projects like this or, or to initiatives like this. Um, but I guess you're suggesting it can be done without a, without a coach. Well, here's the interesting thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's say that I'm leading a team. And my team members all make commitments. Normally, the way work happens is if I'm the boss, I tell people what to do. Right. That's sort of like this. Un, we don't even question that. I'm the boss. They may be the boss. I get to tell people what to do. And this is very what's counterintuitive about discipline four is you're asking them what they're going to do. And they have to think about this. Um, Drucker said the hardest thing to do was to get people to think of work in terms of outcomes instead of activities. Mm -hmm. You can chew on that bone for a long time. That's a really profound statement he made. And by doing this, we're sort of getting people to think in terms of outcomes. You know, you ask somebody, what do you do? And they just describe a bunch of activities. But with this, now they got to think about outcomes, getting to the lead measure. What's the deliverable? But back to your point on coaching, Jake, if they ask me a question, I mean, sorry, if they give me a commitment, I know right away whether they understand what they're doing or not. Like if I tell them what to do, I don't really know. They'll nod their head and I'm like, I kind of think they know what they're doing. Like, but I don't really know. But if I make, if everyone in the group gives me, I know right away, okay, Tony is, he's well-meaning. He, he doesn't understand what we're trying to do here. So now I'll go, now I'll go offline with Tony. And I'll and I'll be able to coach. So it does this type of this type of focus and clarity and disproportionate effort is very valuable. We've learned from a coaching standpoint. Well, Chris, this has been so exciting. I have a quick question. If folks out there are as excited as I am to go out uh, to Amazon and grab the book, it looks like the most up to date book would be the four disciplines of execution revised and updated. Is that correct? Significantly better. Yeah. So we were we were into our practice eight years when we got the book launched and we were uh, I think we're at 17 years by 2.0 and we, we got things a lot clearer by the second. This is a very much a work in progress. And so, yes, the 2.0 version um, is excellent. And there's awesome. some great resources at uh, franklincovey.com. My website is chrismcchesney4dx.com. There's some videos there you might like. Um, there's a lot on YouTube, uh, either under 4DX or under my name, Chris McChesney. Um, you're welcome to help yourself. And then feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I learn a lot from people. Like this whole thing's been an experiment. We have people sending us best practices all the time. So anything you learn on this front, we want to hear about it. Well, this has been so, so exciting. If uh, if Dr. Lancaster would let me, we would let this podcast go for <laughs> a couple more hours. But uh, unfortunately, we have one of those uh, 
things that we have to do on our project, like go to a <laughs> yeah, meeting. Yeah, <laughs> day job is calling, right? But, but uh, hey, on behalf of coming through, the world exactly, they'll get you too. That's job one, right? That's first, right. The Hippocratic Oath, right? First, do no harm. Like, got to take care of the day job. That's right. Well, listen, on behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, we just want to say thank you so much for your leadership. Thank you for the great work you're doing. We hope that you'll consider coming back on again in the future. And we're so incredibly grateful for you and the work you're doing. So just a big hearty thank you from thank Baptist you. Memorial Healthcare. Thank you. I'll come back Healthcare. anytime. This was really fun, gentlemen. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.